Welcome to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for people like you who care about the social impact of conscious companies and everyday heroes. Hear inspiring stories from those who put people and planet before profit and personal gain. You'll learn how you can make a difference, vote with your dollars, and get involved today. Here's your host, Karina Belizzi. Hello, fellow do-gooders and friends. I'm your host, Karina Belizzi, an activist and cause marketer who's passionate about social impact and sustainability. So passionate, in fact, that I went through the trouble of creating a activist guide to help you unleash your inner activist. It provides five steps to help you get there and a simple worksheet to prioritize your actions and enable you to be more successful so you can actually be the change you want to see in the world. All you have to do is sign up for our newsletter at caremorebebetter.com. Today, I'm going to ask you to think about what it's like to grow up with a learning disability without access to the types of resources that you might need to become your best. You might learn differently. You might not see things quite the same way that other people do. You're simply left behind. You might even feel as if you've been discarded. It's the sad truth of what many educational systems are like around the globe. So to navigate this discussion today, I'm joined by one incredible woman who seeks to change our educational system for the better so that those that aren't neurotypical can receive the support they need to learn and excel. Andrea Campbell joins me from the UK on her birthday, no less, to talk about Pocket Learner, an award-winning invention and learning system that she developed to help her own child learn to read. It's Andrea's passionate pursuit to help others who learn differently gain the access that they need to learning tools that can help them on their educational journey so they can be their best and thrive. Andrea, I have to first say happy birthday. (laughs) Thank you, Karina. Thank you so much. (laughs) Appreciate that so much. Yes. Yes. It's so nice to have you here and really just to tell your story. So I would just love for you to tell me a little bit about what your journey was and ultimately what led to the pocket learner? So my early life, I worked in the diplomatic corps. So I was traveling the world, you know, I spent five years in Mexico City, I was born in Jamaica. And then I was sent off to Mexico City when I was early, young, you know, and um, I spent five years there and then I went across to Belgium. And so I was traveling all over the world. And I, I knew I wanted children at some point, but they were not my priority, to be honest with you. Then I had a few miscarriages and I thought it's not gonna happen. And then this girl came along 15 years ago and I realized that, you know, she has Down syndrome. Mm-hmm. And from day one, it seemed as if the world was against her. In the hospital, they said to me, oh, you know, you don't have to have her. You know, we, we can give you an abortion you know, if you want. Well, it's your choice. It's your choice. It's the sort of thing, you know, where they leave you with that sort of feeling that, oh, am I doing the right thing? You know, it's like, oh, my God, what is this I'm taking on? They're not telling you to do it, but effectively they're telling you to do it. I did not to do it. And when she was born, it continued. And I was told when she, she won't be able to live on her own. She won't be able to go to the bank and, and conduct transactions. She won't be able to. And I stopped them there. I don't want to hear what she won't be able to do anymore. She's already here. I can't hand her back. We're going to do the best. I must say to you that when, when she was born, I was disappointed. I don't know with whom, maybe with myself. And I did ask why. And I mean, I'd been a Christian all my life, but I did question God, to be honest with you. I take it you want me to be honest, right? 
Yeah, of course. I just can't imagine how difficult that would be as somebody that's pregnant and, and you're already having to deal with the changes in your body and everything else. And to feel like you're being lobbied to do something that you may not necessarily want to do, that's really yeah, heartbreaking. And I do not condemn people who do it. Let me make that clear, okay? Yeah. It's choice and I respect it, okay? I'm pro-choice, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I want, people can do what they want with their body and I will never, ever condemn them because there's their circumstances and I'm never going to say never, even in my own case. But I knew I didn't want to do it. And, and, and so um, I took my baby home, despite what they, she couldn't do and all that. And we, after her and everything, and I realized she was growing like any other child. Yes, she's slower. Yes, even now at 15, her speech is still impaired. She is not able to communicate fully, you know, what she wants and all that. But we may do with what we have. And it's turned out to be a real joy. So this journey, this part of this journey started when she was about eight years old. She was going to school and her dad and I went to school to see the teacher and parents day. Quite excited, you know. How is she doing at school today? And we were just told that, oh, don't worry about her. She can just learn to make a sandwich. Yeah, yeah, she can just learn to make a sandwich. So that I saw as putting my baby at the back of the of the class, you know, they're putting her in the kitchen. She doesn't deserve to be up front. Mm-hmm. And I took her home very disappointed, but I took her home and I realized that from that day, something would have to change around here. Yeah. Because as you know, and as everyone know, and everyone who's listening know, nobody puts baby in the corner. And I, <laughs> I borrowed that. I borrowed that, as you know. <laughs> Patrick Swayze, Journey Dancing. I love the <laughs> 80s pop culture references. So cheers Indeed. to that. And so nobody puts my baby in the corner and nobody should put your baby in the corner and nobody's baby should go in the corner. So then I turned into a mother hen and I decided I'm going to look for something to look after. You know, I'm going to help this child. You know, my background is in linguistics. So I have a degree in linguistics, you know, and I'm a translator and interpreter. That's my first profession. I also have an MBA, but that didn't prepare me for this. I decided to just use what I had, you know, and I found things around the house rudimentary things. I found things on the internet and I just started to work in my layman way. And she just responded to everything I gave her. She was just learning like she was like a sponge. And the teachers had came to came to my house to see what I was talking about because she was just getting the vocabulary in particular. She was learning. Anyway, it continued and a friend of mine came around, um, 2014 it was, and said, you have something here. You should take it to the British Invention Show. I thought it was so rough, you know, it wasn't even built up properly. I said, okay. <laughs> I, I took it to the show, you know, on their behalf, on their advice. I was surprised. I received a medal that year. And then I received the British Women Inventors and Innovators Awards. And the following year, we received the European Women Inventors and Innovators Award. And then the next year, we got Global Powerhouse Award. And the next year, we got the Black Enterprise Mogul Award. And this year, I received the British Women Business Award. I came runner-up of the runner-up award. And last year, interestingly, my daughter brought home what they call the Jack Peche Award. And here in the UK, it's an award that's given to children who are excelling at school. So she was one of her three in her school who received that award. Mm-hmm. And that award is not only academic, it's also about how people get on, you know, social skills and the whole works. Because I thought her teacher had cooked this up for her because her teacher is so close to her and they love each other. It's like, you know, her teacher said no. She said the entire school voted for her. She's a social butterfly. You know? So when I look at that, I said to myself, you know, I used to ask why me, but then I got to a point where I thought, why not me? Then who? Then who? Yes, sometimes we receive a gift and it's not in the sort of shiny package that we like. 
Mm. And it doesn't look desirable and it doesn't look like, you know, all the other stuff that you would. But, you know, something, if you're patient enough and stay the course, you can make that thing work and you can see the good in it. And that's where I'm at at this point. And because of that, I developed out of that same system, the multi-award winning system called the Pocket Learner. That system is now on the internet. It's being sold. We, we are able to get funding here in the UK for it to give to children in our local vicinity here in our borough and surroundings. And almost a thousand children in this area have already received the Pocket Learner free of cost because I have a social enterprise that I have co-founded in 2006 when my daughter was born and that has been serving the local people. I'm so absolutely happy that I'm able to make that difference. I said to you that I was a diplomat in my early years and I did make that difference. I made more money, <laughs> I did, but you know something, I didn't make the difference. And if I have to choose, I prefer the difference. And so now I'm looking at rolling it out to the world, partnering with people to give it to parents who, whose children are like mine, whose families have been pushed to the back of the room, to the corner. And so I'm really excited to be on this journey. That's where it's at now. Thank you, Karine. Well, that's just a beautiful story. And I have to tell you, it's like I go through this memory lane every time that we connect. The reality is when I was in elementary school, which is now many years in the past, and I think thankfully some of our social systems have improved around how we really educate and treat people with learning disabilities or who are just differently abled. But at the time that I was growing up in Southern Oregon and this small town of Medford, I was in elementary school and you know, I was a little hippie kid. I was a little weird by comparison to the others. It was a predominantly right-wing lumber town for the most part at that point. So I didn't fit in quite. And I believe I was encouraged by some of the teachers to volunteer my time during some recesses because I wasn't engaging with students the same way. So I would work in the mobile unit that we have this like a mobile building at the tail end of the school that taught people who had all sorts of learning or physical disabilities. There was a blind girl, somebody who couldn't hear a couple of children with Down syndrome and another learning disability that is visible, but just as difficult. And I don't remember what that one was called. What I found was that just the way I was treated as other this group of people was treated as other because none of us just quite fit. And so it was almost like this band of misfits together that just developed this really strong connection. And it forever changed my perspective on the othering of people that are differently abled. And I just really got to see the person behind the ability or disability. And I don't think that's something that many of us tend to encounter unless we seek it out. And so thankfully, I think our social systems are starting to just really see that each of these people can have a contribution to society in an equal way and maybe a different way to what we might expect from the normal or the neurotypical. I'm so encouraged to see the acceptance of your work. When we met first and you walked me through your website and shared some of the stories of the people you're affecting, I mean, it's a marvelously simple invention marvelously simple. And I will encourage everybody who's watching this to go visit your website, which is pocketlearner.net. And what you'll see there 
are these simple binders like you see stacked up behind me. I still haven't got rid of all of my binders from college and from my MBA (laughs) pursuit, but it's almost like there's binders with sleeves and you would change out the photo with the word and maybe start with just the word and the photo and then remove the word or put the word back in. If they're like trying to learn that these peas in a pod are peas in a pod and how to read the word so that they can heck, Go to the movies and select the movie they want to watch as opposed to be told, you know, which movies are playing. Order from a menu. I mean, basic things that we all are expected to know and learn that you were basically experiencing. Oh, they can just make a sandwich and that's it. And the beautiful thing about the pocket learner is that it's tailorable. You can use it to learn ABCs. You can use it to learn the periodic table. It's something you can tailor based on what you want to learn. It's not a prescription. You just make it work for you. And that's why we run training programs also for parents and families to be able to learn how to use it. And the beautiful thing about those programs and those sessions is that by just being in a session with other parents, they see how it can be used for their child. And we all learn in the process as to other uses for it that I didn't even think of. (laughs) I personally, I think my seven-year-old, almost seven-year-old, I should say, would have benefited from this system and learning to read because, you know, he made everything backwards. He had a mirroring. His mirroring is near perfect. So when he wrote his full name of Benedict out, Mm. it would be exactly the reverse of what it was supposed to be. You'd hold it up to a mirror. It will look correct. Right. Mm. And so it was hard for him like that transition. I guess that's normal. Like people who work in the education system with children, they tend to know the reversals can be normal. But it was so extreme that he still, I think, sometimes starts to read a word from its last letter. Mm-hmm. And so it's a little hard for him to get over that hurdle. And, and we're making progress. He's really come a long way in the past three months. But the struggle was real. And when you're being told that your child is behind the eight ball and, you know, they should be reading at this level, but they're not. And yeah, we had this Zoom lifestyle for almost a year for a critical moment in many students' education, and it set people back. So having even tools like this, resources like this, that could support the education journey of anyone learning to read, I honestly, I mean, I thought the system is beautifully simple. (laughs) (laughs) They could all benefit from it. (laughs) Absolutely. And during lockdown, it was particularly useful to parents whose children were, you know, who was homeschooling, because it can be something that's teacher-led or learner-led. I think we try so hard to fit in, but really I think we all make a stand up because what is normal anyway? What is normal? It's just the beauty of the differences among us, you know, that, that makes this world as it is. You know, we can't fit. Your, your son is reading from back. You know, I said, I'm not training this area. I'm just a parent who was frustrated <laughs> and found that answer. So I don't know the technicalities of it or anything like that. But, mm-hmm. you know, something he's beautiful in that way. And he will tell him maybe able to develop something out of that skill that he has later on, you know, to help other people like himself. There's so much more for us to discover. We have discovered a lot, but you know, the human mind is out of this world. I don't know if we have experienced half of it. So we don't have to fit, we don't have to fight to fit in because what are we fitting into? If I'm a square, I can't fit into a circle. You know, mm-hmm. I'm a square. I need to maybe find a perfect square. What's a perfect square? Different thing. But it's really about individuals being themselves, being the best of who you are. And some mm-hmm. people, when they learn to read, you know, it, it's not ultimate. Yes, my parents and myself and her dad and all that, everybody, all of us have degrees and studied and everything like that. But you know something? If our child doesn't have a degree, it's not the end of the world. What is the child? What is she called to do? Because too many of us are caught up with careers and all that. 
But I think if we look at the end of it, it's really what are we called to do here? What's the work that we are put on earth to do? And it may not necessarily be that you have to be the best reader. I would like for her to read. I'd like everybody to read because it's a vital skill. And that's why I've seen many young people who die early because they have not been stimulated. And part of it is they were had been taught to read or helped to read, even if it's not perfect, it might have helped them, you know, to be a bit more stimulated and be interested in more things. And you could pick up a book and learn about something that you're curious about and exactly. yeah. not have to be entertained. I mean, I honestly felt like my books growing up were some of my best friends. The characters I learned about, yes. the stories I read, you know, they added the color to my life. Yes. that didn't always exist when you're just in the routine of the daily living and the power of the imagination, harnessing that we all have that. Yes. And so if you're to tell somebody, Oh, well, you just don't get access to this part because you're not expected to learn it. Without giving them a chance. Yeah. You know, they may will learn it even much better than you. So we just have to, as parents, even as a wider community and society, we have to understand that we have a role to play enabling these children, you know, and because they become adults to be the best they can be. It's not going to be by denying them or putting them at the back of the class and thinking, oh, this one is useless. They can teach us a little child shall lead them. So we just need to allow people to be who they can be and facilitate the process and not try to fit them. The beautiful thing again about the pocket learner is that it fits around the child. The child is the center. You don't try to adapt the child to you. You adapt to the child. What's a child's t style of learning? You know, you, they have this thing in education called VARC or VARC, you know. So visual auditory, auditory rather, V-A-R-K, visual auditory reading and kinesthetic. People who try to learn by hand, you know, by trying, mm -hmm. testing, feeling, touching. So we all learn differently. And we just need to be able to tailor the learning, not tailor the child. <laughs> tailor the learning to the child. Very good observations. I will also say, I want to get back to something you talked about a bit ago. I was what they call a geriatric mother. I had my children late in life. And so it was standard practice to go through all of the genetic testing to find out, you know, does your child have a potential genetic anomaly that could affect their lives and livelihood? Much, I think, because this is now standard process and people are often, they're given the option to end or terminate a pregnancy because I think we look at it as a challenge more than a life. Like our society looks at learning disabilities as a challenge more than an inconvenience almost. Yeah. Yeah. And so what I am really encouraged by is that I'm seeing more even not-for-profits are focused on this particular thing. Like I had shared with you when we first connected the charity Brittany's Baskets, which I just think is genius. This very bubbly girl who has Down syndrome. She's very social. She's very active. She's very capable of taking care of herself and really passionate about celebrating the lives of other babies who are born with Down syndrome. So what she does is every time there's a baby born with Down syndrome and the communities that she's aware of or able to affect, she sends a basket of goodies to the parents, the mom, to celebrate the life of this new angel and then celebrates them on social media. And I just thought, that we need more of that because people need to see that boxing people and putting them in this category of other doesn't solve anything at all. There's beauty in each soul. And I think we can celebrate that and learn from 
one another along the way. Absolutely. That's something that I aspire to doing too, you know, but that even if there's that basket, I know that sometimes they had, I don't know if they have it now, but they used to have like a gift pack, you know, that they give to parents who just have a child. So mm-hmm. I dream for the, of the day when I could put a, a pocket, a pocket learner in one of those packs. So even if it's mm-hmm. a shared pack, you know, you have other things in it, but something in it for children who born with Down syndrome or born with any other abnormality. Some of mm-hmm. the abnormalities that show up later on, like the autism and all that, but Down syndrome, you know, right away. You know, mm-hmm. and I, as you mentioned, I did do the test initially because it's something that's routine here. It wasn't sure. It, they, they weren't sure initially, you know. It, as, as a matter of fact, the first, the first test showed nothing. Mm-hmm. And then the second, later on, did another one. And it said, could be, they're not sure. But then I didn't do the amnio one. That is the amnio one. That mm-hmm. last one would have been more definitive. But then it was late. And I knew that had I done that test, it would not have changed anything. Because it was mm-hmm. quite, in the case, it was late anyway. Even if I wanted to change, it would, would have been a late abortion, which I was never going to do. Right. <laughs> you know, so I just, it just went on like that, but, you know. <laughs> so now the technology has come so much further that they test your blood if you're of a certain age and your blood is able to tell them pretty much everything they need to know about the genetics of the baby from that very early point. Like I think about 15 weeks, 13 weeks, something like that, maybe oh. even earlier. For me personally, when I had already had my first child, it was like there was no question I was going to have my second. It can be different for a mom who's pregnant for the first time, never experienced motherhood themselves. And the bond that comes like right at the beginning stage, it's just pretty incredible. So I kind of confronted this in my mind. Okay, I'm an old mom. I'm 41 and pregnant and going to be delivering this baby. And if my child has a genetic abnormality, I'm fine with it. Like they will be beautiful. They will be everything they're supposed to be. And the reality is I have a very normal four-year-old who tries to tear down our house on a routine basis. (laughs) 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 If he can break it, if he can break it, he will. It's just like his thing. And another person may make a different choice, you know, and and it's up to them. But I've seen people who, uh, because I noticed that here in the UK, and I walk with her, there are p- people who come up to her and, oh, and I was talking to this particular person one day and she said that she had a pregnancy and she was told that the child would be extremely disabled. It wasn't mm-hmm. about non-syndrome or anything like that, but it was that a child, you know, was going to be seriously disabled. And she's of a particular faith and they told her to get rid of the child and she wouldn't. Uh, no, she actually, she did. She actually did get rid of the child and she's regretted it ever since. It doesn't know what a child would have been. Mm-hmm. she hasn't had a child since and so when she look at, she, at my daughter she says you know boy you know maybe she would have been like this and i would have been so happy if she was like this and she's grieving mm-hmm. and this was like seven years ago that's happened to mm-hmm. her some decisions are final but a lot of pregnancies don't make it too like when there is an abnormality there's like a, a sentience within the body in a way you know it's like the genetic coding our body's ability to carry pregnancies to term Often, if there's something that's really wrong, you'll have a miscarriage. And it's a very sad and difficult thing to go through at any stage. But there's an intelligence within the body. And I feel like your body can make a choice for you, too, in some ways, you know. Yeah. um, It's a philosophical discussion because I don't think there's any right answer. It's just if I think we build a society that appreciates all people. Yes then the choices become more open and you feel less obligated to one particular choice or another. Mm -hmm. And I think that is probably the right way to build a healthy and constructive society, right? Respect each person, each individual for their strength and give them the resources that they need to thrive. 
that's important because too, too many people may want to condemn a mother, say, for example, a single mother with a child with special needs. That would not be easy. But no, too many never. people condemn that, that person. But at the same time, they would not hold a hand out to help, help that person. Now, what legs are you standing on? If you're telling the person, you can't do that. And at the end of the day, that person has to face that day alone. The day is alone with that child because maybe the dad is gone or whatever has happened. Yeah. Things happen to people. So we have to be careful that we're not judgmental about people. And not so long ago here in the UK, there's a family who the lady has four children and three of them were severely disabled, hmm. severely. And her husband took the able child on holiday and left her at home with the three severely disabled children. And I said severely, they can't move, they can't eat, feed themselves, they can't do anything. Hmm. And she's left with these three children. I don't know if she had help or anything like that, but what she did, she killed all three. She drowned them all. People condemning her. And yes, of course, what she did was not right. But how many people knew that she was there with those three children and didn't help her? How many people said, oh, let me give you a break? Because sometimes you need, all you need is a break. You, you need to sleep. I have a friend who comes to my house sometimes just to get a rest. Her son is autistic and he, you know, he beats her up. He does all sorts of things. And I know when she comes in, she doesn't say it, but she comes and she sits in the couch and she's falling asleep because she knows we'll take care of her son. Mm -hmm. So it's a simple thing like that. And too many of us are too judgmental when things like that happen, but we didn't see the need. Sometimes we have to see a need before it's even expressed. Mm -hmm. So we are not any better than that woman who killed those children because at the end of the day, we, we saw the need and we did nothing. We just went about our merry way. And then when that happened, oh, she's a wicked mom. Yes, maybe she's not, you know, she didn't do the right thing, but neither did you. Well, I mean, that gets back to, again, more philosophical conversations about the role of society and yeah. helping us manage our lives, like giving one another leg up, the power of community. And I think as we get to a space where we stop othering so many things that aren't exactly as we want to see them in normal, then really the likelihood of the support being there is going to be stronger. I also think that women need to get better at asking for help in general. Like this is something that we, you know, you just go, 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 do, 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 produce, 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 just keep at, you know, you're, you're almost told in a way it's like, okay, yes, you have your responsibilities of the home, but you also have your responsibilities of work and maintaining finances, the house and, and, and it's a lot to manage. It is. I think society is moving really fast and people are just fast paced and now running. But when you see, look what happened last year with, with COVID, no matter mm -hmm. how fast you were running, you had to stop. Nothing mm -hmm. is impossible. You know, nobody's indispensable. When COVID came, no matter how important what you were doing was, it was, you had to stop and say, this is, I write inspirational quotes. I have books on inspirational quotes, by my own quotes. And there's one I wrote during that time and it says, I don't learn the quotes, I write them down because I think they're divinely inspired. So sometimes I don't learn them. But the one that comes to mind is when tiger steps up, poodle steps back. So when tiger steps up, poodle steps back because all along we thought this was tiger you know life and rushing and this and that and then when the real tiger which was covid stepped up poodle the other things became like poodle a poodle dog you know a tiny mm -hmm. dog you know it was it was a poodle compared to a tiger so that was what came to mind at the time you know all the important things we had to do that we thought was tiger it, it, it can't wait i can't i don't have time for the for you i'm rushing we had to just stop and people work from home or offices closed the world is still there. It didn't fall apart. Mm -hmm. you, know, you know, things happen, but it didn't fall apart. So we have to understand what's important. It's not about the things or the job and the money. It's about people. 
Well, I think it's interesting that you drew a correlation between a tiger and a poodle because one is very wild and the epitome of the it's the biggest cat there is, one of the fiercest predators that there is, sneaks and att- attacks people. They never see it coming when there have been tiger attacks on humans, when there have, right? <laughs> They're very effective predators. And then a poodle, which is a manicured dog in so many ways. I mean, I don't know if you're talking about the large poodles or the small ones, but even so, they're very bred. And it's just like one is known to be physically manicured too, the hair trimmed and everything else. So, Yeah, so you realize what you thought is a tiger in comparison is a poodle. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Oh my God. It was bigger than this. It was more more to life than this. Oh my God. It takes us by surprise sometimes. So we need to put things in perspective. So as we prepare to wrap up, I'd like to ask you just a couple of closing questions. And one of them is just a question of whether you're working on something new or different, if something else is coming now for Pocket Learner. Yes, indeed. I'm writing the book about Pocket Learner. For a long time, I didn't feel qualified to write that book because I still felt, what to call it, imposter syndrome, maybe. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm not trained in that field of education. I'm not. Yes, I run a social enterprise here and it's a training organization. I run a training and I do some of the training and everything like that, but I don't have a teacher training qualification. So for a long time, I didn't feel qualified to do things like this. But as time went on and everybody's saying, you know, you are qualified by having, by developing this system and by looking after the child and all that, that qualifies you. So over time, it's sort of rubbing off on me. I say, okay, maybe I can write this book. So I did launch a book. When I launched two books on the 28th of October, and they both hit bestseller lists, actually. I think they actually top the bestseller list in the niche on the day on Amazon. But one of them is Blended, for Blended Families Looking After Children with Special Needs. That book is out and people um, are buying that book um, it's called Blended and Special. But I also pre-launched a book on that day, which is called The Pocket Learner. So I've, for a long time, I've had the bones of The Pocket Learner, the bones of a book or a course or whatever it is, but I'd never did develop it. So I pre-launched that book. So it's not yet written. I have until October next year to deliver, but I think I'll deliver it by the spring, you know, so it should be out, you know, in that time. So that's what I'm working on at the moment. In the meantime, in the meanwhile, I'm getting the audio book done for the blended and special book and the hardcover books. I'm working on those in the time being. But the Pocket Learner book would be a really interesting book because the, the way I, I have put that book together, and again, I said I'm consistently divinely inspired. So that book is based on fruit of the spirit. So the child being the fruit of the womb is in the middle. And I said to you earlier that whatever we're doing, it revolves around the child. The child is not to be changed to adapt. We need to adapt to that child's style. So the child's in the middle as a star of the show, and she's a fruit of the womb. And then around that, we have the different fruit, where we start with hope. Hope is not a fruit that is spirit or anything, but hope is important. So we start mm-hmm. with hope, H-O-P-E, and each of those means something. H is, has a meaning, O-P-E, and it continues faith, love, gentleness. A piece is the last one, the six pieces of that pie. Mm-hmm. You know, those other five are fruit of the spirit, Whereas hope is a start. You have to have hope. You have to believe that your child can achieve. Mm-hmm. You have to believe in the process. You have to be optimistic about it. The all-in hope is optimism. I can make a difference here. This child can make a difference. And I am in a position to help that child to make that difference. What do I need to do in order to do that? So that is where that, that first chapter or first part of that book is. And it goes all the way around. And faith, believe in the process. And all the way around to, to peace, which is now 
acceptance living with yourself and going forward and looking how the child can live a peaceful life despite whatever challenges or tasks they may have. So that book is interesting and I'm in the process of writing it at the moment because as I said, it's already launched, so I do have to deliver it and I will do that. Yeah. Well, fantastic. And when it is ready, you'll have to come back on and we can talk about it then. So is there any question that I haven't asked that you wish I had? The question would, what should parents do? I can't tell them what to do really, but parents who are facing this journey, you may be pregnant at the moment, or your baby may just be born, or you may be an older parent and getting pregnant, whatever it is, what should they do? (laughs) So I can't tell them what to do, but what I would like to say is that Behind each dark cloud, there is a rainbow. And if you look for, whatever you look for, you'll find. So if you look for it to be a dark, hard, rough journey, that's what it will be for you. Mm -hmm. You have to be open, optimistic, as I said in my book, optimistic and really know that this is a child like any other child. They may be different, but we all are different. Even if you are twins, identical twins, is still some difference. So that child is just as different. So just have hope and understand that this is another person. If you choose to take the, take the pregnancy forward, again, that's your choice. We are not here to judge. But if you choose to do it, there is hope and it's very fulfilling. It absolutely is fulfilling. And when you can see how you can make a difference in the world, there's a lady called Helen Keller, which many people may have heard of. She was both deaf and blind. But she was such a joy. She was such an impact. She became a, a, a political activist. No, I'm not sure if it's political, but she was an activist. And she also was a, a prolific writer. Mm-hmm. The, world, the world would have been poorer without Helen. So just think that your child can make that difference. I mean, it doesn't have to be on a large international scale, but whatever it is, you know, you will get to love that child at some point, but you have to want it. So how can our community support your efforts? What would you like to leave them with? My dream is for the pocket learner to be in the hands of families, especially people in developing countries that have little or no access to resources Mm -hmm. or the child has no access to an educational provision. Some children may be physically disabled, cannot get there, physically can't get there. Could be that they're okay, cognitively they could be fine. My dream is for us to work as a community to be able to provide those resources to those families. I would love to partner with people who would want to help me to do that. You know, these resources can be used in any culture. So as it is now, they are in English, but it can be they can be printed in whatever language. And I'd love for it to be able to be tailored to different communities so it makes more sense to them. So I want people to reach out to me to see how we can partner. If they want to fund some for whatever community they are, they want to support, they can decide which community it goes to, whether commercial basis, because we can sell it to, and also we can just give it away to people in those developing countries. In the UK, we are okay because, as I said, I have a social enterprise. We get funding to give it to local people. So most people already have it and they didn't have to pay for it. So I want the same thing for developing countries and it doesn't matter which country. Well, happy birthday again, Andrea. (laughs) So in closing, I would like to invite my listeners to act. It doesn't have to be huge. It could be as simple as sharing this podcast with someone in your community that you think could benefit from it. I also encourage you to visit the website that they've put together for Pocket Learner, pocketlearner.net. You can watch some of the videos that I got to see of this tool specifically in action. And I think you'll see the simplistic beauty of it as well. I also encourage you to check out Andrea's books on Amazon. I will go ahead and include links to those with show notes as well. Thank you listeners now and always for being a part of this pod and this community, because together we really can do so much more. 
Thanks for listening to Care More, Be Better, a podcast for social good. To make sure you never miss an episode, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you listen to podcasts. And share with your friends to help us reach more people and spread more social good. Thank you.